Do you have your blue blankie handy in case things get a little too scary on this uh, podcast? I can hide under the desk if I need to. That's good. I, I could pull the microphone down there too if I if I need to continue podcasting while while hiding. The nine. This is the Incomparable Podcast. Fantastic. And uh, the subject today as we head on toward Halloween is all things scary. And the only people I could get to come on this podcast are two of the scariest people I know, Steve Lutz and Ben Boychuk. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that assessment. <laughs> you're, well, you're very welcome. Ben, are you still alive or have you been horribly killed by a, 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 an axe murderer? Don't be alarmed. This call is coming from inside your computer. Oh, oh, I am alarmed. I'm horribly alarmed. So we actually had an interesting email thread when we were putting this together, which was that um, it turns out that a lot of our regular contributors to the podcast are afraid of are afraid of being scared. Which you know, I I can guess. And then there was this whole conversation about like good horror and bad horror and what makes a good kind of scary or horror um, movie versus what you know which ones are bad and i'm just kind of curious what you guys think what what is an example of of something if somebody wants to watch something that uh is going to put them in the halloween spirit what's the kind of stuff they should be going for well it again it depends largely on whether you're the kind of candy ass that apparently the rest of the podcast (laughs) people uh tend tend towards (laughs) or if you're you're into something maybe a little more gruesome a little more gory uh i think just in general, most people will say, or at least will only admit to appreciating films that are a little more subtle, a little less uh, blood intensive. And I can sort of see their point there, although my personal opinion is any horror is generally good horror. I mean, even bad horror is is frequently entertaining to some extent. You can watch these uh, classic 70s Italian gore fests and just laugh your ass off for an hour. See, now, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I, I was going to say that the times that I have watched something that would be classified as horror or kind of horror-like, the ones that I've enjoyed are the ones where I felt like I could laugh. And not just, you know, I guess it's a combination, right? It's sort of a laugh as a release from what you're seeing, but also that they, they can be really funny and have a sense of humor. And for me, that can make the difference between something being kind of just deadly and being entertaining. Yeah, well, frequently they're just so bad. They're well, funny. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of actually a lot of recent releases since I guess the dawn of irony in the last couple of decades. Um, have, Ooh, irony! Yeah. Well, you know, it, it has spawned some good things, like um, some some decent horror movies with some uh, some actual humor content to them. There's generally some good dark humor involved. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go back maybe to the Scream series as as the first good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and a few more recent uh, entries like Ginger Snaps was, I thought, very funny. Now, what is that? Tell me about that. That's a werewolf movie that likens uh, the whole lycanthropy turning into a werewolf business to the onset of puberty, uh, particularly in the case of girls. So uh, there's a, a, young, a young lass named Ginger. Ah, yes, yeah. I think I see where you're going here. The the West. See, that's the kind of hilarious, uproarious comedy I'm talking about. (laughs) Subtle, very subtle. And uh, she and her sister are are young goth teens who are very into the sort of over the top uh, gore. And I I think the first um, the the sequence over the credits is them. 
basically staging gory deaths for themselves because they're both, you know, big cure listeners and uh, they like to sit around in their room and think about how they're going to die horrifically any day now. Um, and uh, the one girl happens to get her period. And immediately after, she and her sister are walking through the park and they're attacked by a werewolf. Uh, so over the next few days, weeks, whatever, the uh, the the girl begins to transform in, in a multitude of ways. <laughs> uh, and it, it draws some interesting parallels, I think, in addition to being just a genuinely scary werewolf movie with uh, – I, with non-CGI effects, which is also a positive thing in this day and age. So I, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's, it's scary. It's funny. The werewolf faction is not as cheesy as one has come to expect. And, um, and uh, it's I like smart. the idea of that other layer there. I mean, that's what, that's what hooked me on the first um, season of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, which was really low budget. And what I, what I got out of it was that they were taking some of these classic horror movie kind of scenarios and you know playing them as having their equivalents in kind of teen and high school angst and and that was a that was a good call that that really worked for me sure yeah and i think it has a lot of parallels to to buffy in that respect and um it's it's also very smart which is something you don't often get the the dialogue is sharp the girls don't seem fakey the acting is very good both of the girls particularly the the sister who basically is charged with um Making sure that her her werewolf uh, sibling doesn't maul the whole school. Um, she's fantastic. Emily Perkins is her name, and she's I don't think she's gone on to do anything, but uh, other than the two sequels, which I guess declined in quality pretty rapidly as they tend to do. But uh, yeah, just an excellent film. I would recommend that one. Um, recent, I think it's about two thousand three. Cool. Canadian, so you know it has that going against it. But yeah. Yeah, so they say all sorts of uh, suspicious things, like right. a boot. And- Indeed, and in fact, I think uh, perhaps the most controversial thing is that the movie does include scenes of field hockey. So, oh. yeah, you got to be prepared oh, for that. That's right, and Thanksgiving happens in October, and it's very mysterious why that is. It's never explained. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, I... Uh, uh, that's great. I'm going to put that on my list. That's actually – I'm excited. I was going to say the only things that I would even classify as remotely can uh, could be considered horror that I think I've seen in the last 10 years are – well, you know, is Let the Right One In really, really horror? I mean it's kind of like a, a Swedish drama that happens to have a vampire in it. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it in its entirety yet. Huh. It's good. I, I liked it a lot. I and have then seen the, uh, what looks like uh, the – the, the ravaging of the film by whatever the new uh, Let Me In that, that right. has come out. I, I've seen the ads for that and sort of shaken my head thinking, well, this looks like uh, coupling all over again. Yeah, yeah well, so. that's that, that's always the fear. Although I've seen some positive things about it too. I don't know. It, it Let the Right One In was really good. Um, and then the other two that I guess I would put in this category are – uh, 28 Days Later, and Shaun of the Dead, which, again, more of a parody, but, yeah. but still a great, great movie. And 28 Days Later, I really liked, and I think one of the reasons I liked it is that it was almost like a, uh, uh, you know, an action movie with horror pieces in it and not sort of your 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 usual, I guess, stereotypical horror kind of uh, setup. Sure. Well, you've also mentioned Cloverfield, right, Jason? Yeah, well, what, would you – I mean, that's a monster movie. I, I love Cloverfield. I'm I'm one of those people who thinks, spe- and that's the guy who directed the the uh, Let the Right One In remake. Uh, actually, is the same guy. Matt oh, really? Reeves. Yeah. Oh. And I love Cloverfield. 
um, which I know a lot of people complain because it's this sort of, you know, it's vapid 20-somethings at a party and it's their home video footage. And yeah, that's true. But for me, the idea of saying, okay, after 9-11, we've really seen what massive destruction in a major city really looks like in real life. So what if there was a giant Godzilla-like monster walking through a city? It would be pretty horrific. And, you know, buildings would buildings coming down has a lot of effect beyond what it did when it was a guy in a suit in a styrofoam tower you know, flew off in a block. And I found that really effective that, you know, we, you know, you, you take a big monster and put him in New York and, and we know what's going to happen and it's going to be terrible. That's my Cloverfield pitch. Right. And it has yeah. the benefit. Yeah. And well, go ahead. Steve. I was just going to say it has the benefit over the classic Japanese horror movies of not having tiny Japanese boys in very small, disturbing shorts. <laughs> yes. Also no Raymond Burr. No Raymond <laughs> Burr is present. Always a plus. No, see, I, I, I would count that against it. All right, fair enough. Well, he's he's um he's dead now, so it would have oh. been the horrific reanimated corpse of Raymond. Well, okay, that I might have back. brought it up yeah. a notch. Actually, yes, that would have been that would have put it over the top, put Cloverfield over the top. <laughs> if the zombie you know, zombie Raymond Burr appears at the end and says, "This has been a terrible mistake. Man <laughs> has tried to do things that he should never have tried, and Cloverfield was the result. Now I must go and eat brains." I don't understand why you know. I, what the hell's the matter with these geeks? <laughs> you know, I mean, for one thing, you know, okay, so think think about all of the the sort of horror sci-fi crossovers that all the other people who regularly participate on this podcast have seen and could talk about. I know. I mean, think about like Alien, I think you, for example, you, you guys. I think you guys talking about Saw scared them. Scared them oh, away. Yeah. Well, he didn't bring up Saw until long after everybody had already stepped up as being punk ass punks. Yes. <laughs> I mean, think about think about like Alien. I mean, there you got You got to. I mean, it's, it's sci-fi. It's horror. I mean, that's more of a. I mean, really, it's more of a horror film than a, than a sci-fi. Movie. Absolutely, it has to be a horror movie on a spaceship. But that's that's a, that's really a horror right. film, and it's a great one. But. I uh, think you know, honestly, Ben. I think one of the reasons that this came up, and we can talk about. Saw and other movies like that if if you want to. But I think what this started with is, especially when we were, you know, teenage moviegoers, the, the whole run of Friday the 13th and Halloween and, you know, all of those kind of really cheap, schlocky horror movies, um, I, I think made a lot of people, including myself, say, well, I, I'm not interested in that stuff. And, and that's not to say that we're not interested in scary movies or even kind of bloody, awful, horror, horrible movies. It's just that, you know, some of it got that taint of, and I like to say that, that taint. <laughs> that's for you, Steve. Keith, I appreciate of, that. Of, uh, of uh, you know, just the schlock of, of you know, Freddy Krueger, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, part 12. Well, that's but that's always been the case and still is today. I mean, you've you've and that's true with any kind of film. You're going to have one or two gems in a mountain of crap. So even as we were getting the you know Friday the Thirteenth Part Thirty Seven, Jason goes to uh, Reseda. You know, we also had uh, <laughs> no, that's horror. We had Poltergeist, which was a fantastic movie. I still consider it amongst the best. Uh, that I've, I, at least in terms of scariness, that I've ever seen. Um, we had uh, th- 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 there's a lot of classic 80, 
80s films, that none of which are jumping to mind at the moment, of course, because right, I'm right, trying so to think the, of them. The point is that in any genre, you're going to get the schlock, and you're going to get the schlock that people know and, and, and becomes popular, because that's one of the reasons it becomes popular, is one of them hits, and then they run it into the ground in order to make money at it. And it's not necessarily those those movies that are the best representatives of the genre. They're, they're just the ones that everybody hears about that give the genre a bad name. Right. Yeah, I mean, because you think about yeah, you know, we could run down Friday the Thirteenth and and Nightmare on Elm Street, but I mean, you know, the first, the first and second, but really the first Friday the Thirteenth was really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, and the first Nightmare as well. And the first Nightmare was magnificent, and you know, we, we, they sort of became self parodies after after four or five or six. And I think in part uh, that was why they were so popular because they yeah. they weren't frightening in any way. People would go to them with their friends and they'd sit around and laugh because they knew basically it was going to be seven teens die, one survives. And, you know, there really isn't any anything to be concerned about because you already know what's going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, and, and so, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, I, I have very fond memories of, of seeing those, you know, when I was a, when I was a teenager. The, the movies that really stick in my head, though, I mean, are the <laughs> – are kind of the movies that that I ran across when when I was maybe you know eleven or twelve or thirteen years old uh, on cable. You know, should we uh, should we be veering off into this territory? I thought this was about uh, horror movies. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Bow, right. bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have those channels. <laughs> we did, but they were on the UHF channels and they were scrambled. So right, so you could only hear them. Right. I, I spent all my time trying to squeeze my eyes in exactly the right angle so that the green twisted boob would form into an actual, <laughs> you know, normal human looking. But you got to hear a lot of music with the wah wah pedal in it. And, and noises you didn't, other noises you didn't understand. But um, no, I'm I'm thinking of, I mean, I'm thinking of stuff like remember the old Z channel. Um, did you guys ever have the Z channel? I was that was that was, a, so that was an LA thing. I I don't think I ever. Yeah, got I that. think so. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, and we had the the Z channel in the you know in the late seventies and early eighties, and you know HBO and Showtime. And, you know, so run across movies like uh, like Ghost Story and uh, The Changeling, which I think I saw probably. 25 times. I uh, love The Changeling. So tell me about that. And, and we'll be clear here. There, Angelina Jolie is not involved in any way. No, no. This was, <laughs> uh, this was, this starred George C. Scott. Who is often and, mistaken for Angelina Jolie. Well, you can understand with the lips and the figure and everything. Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, the Changeling came out, I think, in, I think it was uh, 1980. I want to say 81. Yeah, 80 or 81. And uh, starred George C. Scott, and he moves into this uh, this old mansion, which was uh, previously occupied by the family of this this powerful United States senator. Uh, and and strange things start to happen. And uh, in a lot of ways, you know, the, you know, it's it's, it's sort of a cliched uh, ghost type of movie, you know, with things that go bump in the night. Uh, right. You know, he's, he starts to see things and hear things in, in the attic upstairs, and he starts to piece together uh, the history of this house who lived there. Now, is he staying uh, in the house because it was willed to him by a, a relative who said he had to stay there one night before he could inherit it? Uh, he's, he's, no, you like this. He's actually he's there writer, because his, uh, his wife and daughter get killed in the opening frames of the movie. That's right. Yeah, that's they right. They get hit that's by right. a car, and it, their, uh, I think their car goes out in a snowstorm, and they're hiking to a phone or something, and he turns around and sees his wife and daughter getting barreled over by a, by a semi. 
And so, yeah, there's a lot of emotional resonance in the film because he's dealing with the death of his wife and daughter. And yet there's this spirit of what turns out to be a very young child that's right. sort of calling out to him through his grief. Huh. Right. And it's uh, there's a lot of banging on the pipes in the house. And uh, right. I think there's a, a great scene where a rubber ball that I think belonged to his daughter uh, comes rolling down the stairs. Bouncing down the stairs. Yeah. yeah. And, and he right. throws it in, in his rage that, you know, it's his daughter and he's, he has these memories. He throws it down the hall and he goes back and sits down and tries to start writing again. And he hears the ball come rolling down the stairs again. Right. It's a, a great scene, and, and it's the whole film is just filled with um, spots like that that just kind of make your your spine quiver. Yeah, and, and and you know, and there there are elements of that film in particular. I mean, when you when you find out, you know, what happened to the child, and and you know, there's you know, scene near the climax of the movie where you 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 kind of you you don't you know you, you see this this small child's fist banging against the side of this bathtub and that's kind of the banging that he's been hearing throughout this whole picture um and it you know it, it hits you what has happened and, and that's the that's the horror of the thing that's the horror of the picture and you realize when you once you realize uh what has happened and and those are the kind of of horror movies that i that i've really liked um we talked about this, uh, Jason, we, when we did the Infinite Monkeys podcast about a year ago, talking about these pictures. And one of the things that came up in that was this idea of uh, the things unseen are almost you know, as horrible or even more horrible than the sort of things that you see on screen now in, in, in a lot of these gore pictures. And um, you know, the, the horror of, of this, this child being murdered in a tub um, you know, has stuck with me now for for thirty years, uh, more so than any sort of uh, you know sort of some guy getting his or, getting his head yeah, blown off or anything. Yeah, like that. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you agree with that, Steve? I mean, I, I know you have a, a slightly different take on on some of the you know some of the saw pictures and hostile and things. Yeah, like no, that. I do agree with that. I, I think uh, it it plays. I think more on the sort of. Uh, the, the fears that we had when we were kids, you know, when we'd be walking down a dark hall in our house in the middle of the night and we'd hear something move. And of course, we'd never see it because it was, you know, that I, the air conditioning kicking on and blowing something over or something. But uh, it, it, it's just made all the tariff all the more terrifying by that fact. Uh, I think probably the best example of that is um, that I can think of is is the the haunting, which is. Gosh, I think it was actually rated G. I mean, there's really nothing in there that's uh, that's gory or even all that frightening. Certainly nothing in your face. Um, and there's a scene I remember from when I was a kid that's it's really nothing. I go back and look at it today, but there's just again with some they're they're staying in this uh, this haunted house, and uh, and there's just this banging going on. Um, again, you know, not screaming, not, not anything that sounds like anything that would be scary, but at the same time, it's just, you know, this banging is going on over and over again. And the camera work, they just sort of zoom in on this section of the wall and there's really nothing there. But as you're watching and you're hearing this banging and the characters in the room are starting to get increasingly freaked out by this banging, you kind of think you can see this face in the pattern on the wall, but it's... It, to this day, I'm still not really sure it was there or whether I was just sort of imagining it. And I, I think those I, those tend to be a lot more effective simply because 
you know, you, you don't really have the payoff of, of seeing, you know, the, the bloody entrails like you do with a, a zombie film. You just have to kind of continue uh, after you've seen the film to think about it and, and kind of wonder what the hell was that. So I think it sticks in your mind a bit more. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And, and I think that, I mean, you know, I, I like, I do like some of the, some of the gore films, you know, we, we did chat a bit about this on, on, uh, on email before we did this. And I, and I, uh, the, the Saw films don't do anything for me and the, and, and the hostile pictures don't do anything for me. Um, there, there have been a few that I've, I've really liked. I mean, I do love, you know, going back to what we were discussing earlier, you know, some of those films from the 80s, even some of those sequels, some of those bad Friday the 13th sequels or, or actually more the, the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, uh, <laughs> Dream Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you can kind of see where you know Craven was already leaning toward you know the scream pictures in those nightmare films. I think you know they were, became sort of self consciously. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many of those he actually even helmed. I think he gave up after the second or third film and just sort of. Oh, you know, you may be right. I, I don't remember who did that. The the Dream Warriors one. I do remember seeing that in the theater though. And I remember the soundtrack for it. And I remember, uh, so I, I mean, somebody actually semi-famous was in that too. I don't know who it was now. Ah, shoot, I don't have it at my disposal. So I was thinking about um, other movies that I've seen that I might I might drop into this category. And actually, while you're looking that up, because um, <laughs> I, I can hear the sounds of the internet in the background. Um, oh, Patricia Arquette. I believe oh, she well, was the, the the mute girl, right? The blonde mute girl. That's- that's right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Well, apparently Lawrence Fishburne made an appearance. This uh, podcast brought to you by IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you, Internet. So Celebrating 20 years of being the best site on the Internet. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the original Terminator, it, it, we think of that as this action movie franchise now, but that original Terminator movie is actually, I think – structurally maybe more of a horror movie because it's this unstoppable killing machine and yeah it's coming from the future but it's so it's dark and kind of gritty and he's driving his car into the police station and he you know he he won't stop until he's killed everybody and you know i i mean the, all these genres run together but w- when i watched that movie i i thought it was not just a, an action movie but you know it was it was scary because arnold schwarzenegger who is you know kind of taken away from that in the second one right where they make him the good guy but in the first one he's just horrible right he's 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 scary he's this scary endless immortal uh killing machine yes no yeah no i'm with you yeah yeah i think so i I think there's something to that um i i don't i i don't see it in quite the same way as maybe some of these other movies oh well no but I'm just trying to justify that I'm not a, uh, you know, I've, I, that I've actually seen movies that might qualify, but there are so few that. How about how about zombie movies? Now, um, I've seen a few, but um, I know this is an entire genre, and it's. I, I feel like zombies are going to be the next uh, vampires. I we, think it's we, too late for that. They're almost overexposed now. Yeah, there's well, I mean, kind well, of the this... vampires are completely overexposed. Right, so zombies are headed in that direction. Well, there's kind of this hipster zombie thing going on that I'm. I'm not really really all that into hipster zombies yeah well, no zombies it's, it's not that the zombies are themselves are hipsters but that the hipsters are big into zombies now uh, uh, which cheapens the currency it really does i mean it's not as bad as say tween you know zo- our vampire fans but uh, right right it's, it's still sort of obnoxious so what um if uh, if one was going to uh to uh, shop for a uh, a good 
zombie movie to watch. Dawn of what, the Dead. What, Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, the original Dawn of the Dead. Is uh, it, and it has also the advantage that it's it's really also more of an action movie than a horror movie in a lot of ways. There's a lot of, uh, of commandos running through the mall, blowing the heads off of zombies. The zombies themselves are are sort of comical in a way. I mean, they they lumber around. They have uh, this kind of bluish cast to the skin, so they they almost are more cartoonish than than really horrific. And uh, and it has also this nice uh, undercurrent of George Romero's uh, social commentary, which is a, a big plus. Uh, basically, the whole thing is a screed on consumerism, but a pretty good one, I think. And it has the gonk. And it has the gonk, which is, yeah, easily the best, most iconic uh, horror tune ever, I think, with the possible exception of the Halloween theme. I, I thought the remake, though, was pretty uh, – Snyder's remake was pretty good. Yeah, and I expected to dislike it because of the the whole fact that they turned it into the the running zombies as opposed to the lumbering zombies. <laughs> yes, that's the, that's the great uh, the, philosophical debate. It's but, the twenty eight days later style right. zombies, action right. zombies. But it, it, but it ended up being a great film in its own right. I, I think it would probably have Im- improved in a lot of people's views if they hadn't used the Dawn of the Dead name. I think they were they're using that to get butts in seats. But had they called it something completely different. Uh, I think it would have been a lot more acclaimed by at least people in the horror community. I certainly would have been more likely to, to watch it uh, early on rather than grudgingly and with the expectation that I was going to hate it. But it turned out to be has, an excellent film in its own right and also a lot of, uh, a lot of action uh, over horror, I think. And one of the great opening sequences in recent memory. Ah, because that, we see that uh, overhead shot. Justin, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? They used to torture us in the 8.30 Thursday slot on NBC all the time. Justin Lewis. Who is he? Oh. Yeah, who is he? He's one of those bit sitcom guys that would show up in the in the 8.30 slot on NBC along with uh, – Jonathan Silverman. Along with Jonathan Silverman. He was one of those guys that would show up as a, a supporting character. And uh, and he bites it in the, the opening – the one of the early, early scenes. He ends up getting consumed by his young daughter. And it's it's a wonderful oh, thing yeah. for those of yeah, us yeah, yeah. for those of us who've just loathed his visage for years upon years. What about um, Zombieland? Have you seen that? Have not. I've heard that's yeah. more comedy Appar- than uh, apparently than there's yes, it's an, uh, yet a, yet another horror comedy, but that's got a famous star in it playing himself as well. I won't spoil it, but yeah, no, but it's it, very good. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, good. but it's Bill Murray. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, hey, he spoiled it. Yeah, yeah, but you don't know what happens, and I won't tell you. <laughs> Zombieland was a lot of fun. I hear they're make. I hear they're thinking about a sequel, though. I don't think that's such a good idea. That's yeah, yeah. I, I like the. I, like I said, I like the horror comedy thing. I, I, I uh, that works for me. The idea, like Kashan of the Dead, is such a great movie, and right. you know, you know what all the, you know what all the uh, all the gags are, the sort of standard gags, but it's it's legitimately funny and and has legitimate. Scary stuff in it too, and, and it sort of surprises me in a way that you were that you appreciated Sean of the Dead as much as you did, because I think to really appreciate that movie, you have to be intimately aware with the sort of zombie cliches that. See, that I that's think parody. the zombie, I think the zombie cliches have 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 reached down it's so sort of far, leached into, into the popular, popular culture. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think, I think so. Right. I'm I'm really looking forward to. Um, in fact, to The Walking Dead, which premieres on Halloween on AMC, uh, based on Robert Kirkman's 
uh, comic book series, which I've read and which is great. And, you know, again, it's using the trappings of horror and, and they're definitely there. I'm sure in the show there will be lots of zombies getting their heads blown off. But, um, you know, it's also a drama about what happens to the people who are trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope they don't mess it up because the comic is uh, very good. Yeah, I have not followed the comic because uh, I can't read, but right. Um, but yeah, the 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 previews look phenomenal for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, it's a it's a great concept. It's a perfect kind of vehicle for a TV show. And they're doing what six episodes? I guess the first season is six episodes. It sounds like they weren't really convinced, and now the buzz is so good. And uh, you know, the rumor is that they've already picked it up for another year uh, because they are so happy with it. Wow. So yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to that too. All right, I've got the credits the, of one the, Justin Lewis right. here, and uh, maybe okay. maybe this will uh, awaken <laughs> something death. in your memory. Uh, some of his credits include uh, Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. I think that was just a guest spot. Battery Park, which I think lasted one episode. Good Morning, Miami. Uh, we, yeah, close to that. Uh, let's see. The Fighting Fitzgeralds. Uh, he was Jim. My, beloved sure. Jim. <laughs> Mike O'Malley Show. Uh, Hidden Hills. Oh, you know, the, the beloved Doug Barber of Hidden Hills, which apparently lasted 17 episodes. That's interesting. And then he then he got eaten on Dawn of the Dead. So, uh, yeah, kudos to. Um, <laughs> well played, sir. Zack Snyder. Your that's main- who I, I have to give my kudos to. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Your main man, uh, Matt Frewer, was uh, briefly in uh, that remake. Oh yeah! Oh, that's good. That's, well, he Zack Snyder seems to use him a lot because he's also in um, in Watchmen as uh, oh, Moloch, right, yeah. and in uh, he was the trash can man in the uh, ABC uh, miniseries of the of the Stand. I, that's right. And was he was he in the Shining too? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, I was thinking uh, Stand and saying Shining. Yeah. Well, so Stephen Stephen King. Um, I, I guess I guess we should talk about the Shining though. I, uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick horror movie director. Yes. No. Uh. Decent, oh, yeah. I, I you know it wasn't The Shining. No, it was all about uh, from what I read on the internet. <laughs> well, it must it, be true. It was, yeah, it was either about um, it was either about how Kubrick was responsible for faking the moon landing, <laughs> or a, it was completely a metaphor for uh, the American massacre of the American Indian. Wow. Yeah. And huh. that's I, I that read, all comes from yeah. the scene with uh, Scatman Crothers getting hit with an axe. Is that supposed to represent no. a, a tomahawk or something? No, actually, you know what it is. Um, there's a couple of things. There's one scene where uh, where Danny is wearing like a NASA shirt, and that's supposed to be the tip off that oh. staged the moon landing when he was shooting 2001. Ah. He had he had time to to fake the moon landing for the for the U.S. government. That's well, nice of him to drop those um, little hints for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then there's, and then I guess there's there's hints throughout uh, that uh, it's really not about Jack Torrance. It's all about uh, you know we did bad things to the Indians. Anyway, that's I mean I read it on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah, no, I like well, Ben Kubrick will kill me. I, I must have seen it probably twenty times when I was a kid. Um, and uh, but you know there isn't really anything that stands out as particularly scary in it. I really appreciate a lot of the the long shots, which of course is pretty much what you get with Kubrick. Right, those slow, steady cam shots. Yeah, I think the whole opening is up this long trek up the mountain to get to the the Overlook Hotel, and that's right. that's pretty striking. And of course, the big pans down the long hallways are interesting. 
I mean, it's it's not particularly true to the text of the book, but it's you know, beautifully directed. But again, not terribly scary. I mean, there's a few scenes that I think people remember just because they saw it when they were young. Like the, I guess the blood rolling out of the elevator. And the, and the two, two little twins. Twins, right. yeah, the two twins. And then those of us who were a little older when we saw it uh, appreciated the naked lady getting out of the bathtub. Yeah, but then that went really, really wrong. It did, as it usually does. So, uh, yeah, a good film. Not really a high on my list, but but good. I do want to go back to the Saw and Hostel that uh, that Ben mentioned yeah. earlier. Torture porn. Yeah. I have to I have to mention it because uh, I know that 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 term uh, really turns you off. Well, it's just one of those blanket terms that gets applied to a vast swath of of horror cinema, kind of unfairly, I think, just because there are squeamish people who don't want to watch the stuff and. Um, so, you know, not, not a big fan of, of terms like that, but, uh, and, and Saw in particular, I'm not sure really deserves it because you don't really see much of anything in Saw, largely because it's constant jump cuts and you have no freaking clue what's going on at any moment <laughs> in the film anyway. But, uh, I've only seen the first two Saw films and in both of them, basically you're, you're looking at these sort of, uh, elaborate traps that have been set up for, for the Jigsaw Killer's victims, and very rarely, if at all, I think, do you ever see any of the actual results of his contraptions. But the horror is the situation they're right. put in, where and, you and have to cut it, off your arm in order to escape, right. or whatever it is. And, right? and generally, the, it uh, it cuts away, and you hear a scream, and and uh, and that's pretty much it. So I'm not sure torture porn really was ever relevant to those those films. Um, Are they any good? Shitty movie was relevant. <laughs> Dude, the, right. the, the first film in particular, which uh, has some of the worst acting I think I've ever seen in a horror movie. And that's that's saying a lot because I've watched a lot <laughs> of Italian flicks. But yeah, Leigh L is is miserable. He's one of the, I think, the directors and writers of the film. And uh, the other one is a um, guy from uh, The Princess Bride. Wesley from The Princess Bride. Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes. Oh, my God. He's he's over the top, and uh, his accent is just magnificently bad. I think he's trying to do an American accent, but he, he slips into his British frequently. And, uh, oh, man, it's really bad stuff. And then, of course, the jump cuts, which kind of ruin everything. So, so, uh, so Saw, but uh, as a, to be condemned because it's bad, not because it's torture porn. Agreed. And really, the, the it's particularly disappointing because it's a good concept. I mean, the kind of stolen from seven in a lot of ways with good execution, it could have been a good film and uh, the execution was far from good. Hostile on the other hand, which does show a bit more of the blood and gore, I think is, is quite a good film. It, it is fairly gross, but uh, a lot of the subtext of it is, is really less of a, hey, look at the blood and guts, isn't that great? And more, this is what happens when you treat people as things. Um, so what's the premise of Hostel? The premise of Hostel, which I, I hate to ruin it in case there's anybody who hasn't already heard the presence, the, the, I'm the premise of Hostel, but uh, there's two young Americans and uh, I think a Norwegian guy or something that are traveling Europe post-college and kind of uh, making their way from town to town and having their way with the women and basically being ugly Americans and or Norwegians, as the case may be. Uh, and somebody directs them to some, some or other former Russian state 
can't recall which one it is at the moment, uh, to a particular town in this state and, and to a particular hostel there. So they, they hear that, you know, it's basically off the hook. There's wild sex and drugs. And so they immediately get on a train and head there. Um, well, it turns out this hostel is basically a front for an organization that allows rich, um, rich perverts to violently murder people of various nationalities. Uh, I think you pay a, a premium for Americans. <laughs> so it's it's like uh, the most dangerous game kind of thing. In a way, but they there's nobody gets a running start. Basically, they, <laughs> they're lured in by um, basically loose women that uh, are, are pulling in a, a kind of a bounty for attracting the guys and drugging them, and then uh, they end up you know in a torture chamber where whoever the highest bidder is gets to come in and have their way with them. Um, you know, one of them's more interested in, in it from kind of a surgery perspective. So there's a guy who comes in and he sort of practices his, his surgery on this unsuspecting guy. And, but there, there are, um, there's genuine horror in it. It's not, I, I think that where it's gotten a bad rap is just because it, it involves torture, but in fact, it's not, it's clearly not glorifying torture in any way. I mean, you're, you're, you're obviously watching the thing you're supposed to be disgusted with what's going on and you are. Um, you know, I'm sure there are a few audience members that are sitting around, uh, you know, with a, with a very different view of things, but uh, it also has some, some really good direction that, uh, sort of surprised me coming from Eli Roth, who's only really done, I think, two films at that point. Um, there's one in particular that I, I think of where, um, we discover what's been going on this whole time and, uh, and our sort of protagonist who really is kind of a scumbag uh, is being dragged down this hallway towards his chamber. And as he goes down the hall, he gets glimpses through open doorways of what's going on kind of in shadow off in the distance in, in other rooms. And we see there's just kind of all sorts of weird twisted stuff going on. You can't really see what it is, but it's got this kind of great funhouse uh, atmosphere to it. I mean, you know, nothing fun is happening, but you know, it's just, it's got that, it, I find it hard to put into words, but it's 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 twisted and it's kind of got a, it's classic, I think. All right, so that's hostile. Yeah, no, it's well, it's a better film than it's been given credit for, is what I'm trying to say. Don't you think though that you know when Roth did that? I mean, specifically I think, what? Well, I mean, when when you have a shot like that with you know going going down a hallway with the the fun house like atmosphere. I mean, don't, don't you think that, I mean, part of that, I think, I mean, he, he, he gets off on that. I think, don't you think? No, I don't. Don't you think? That, uh, well, because don't you th we're given don't only, don't you think there's, there's an audience that gets off on that too? I, I don't I mean, doubt that a, there is, but I don't think that's what he's shooting for. I mean, I, I, obviously I don't know what's in Eli Roth's head, but it's, it's pretty clear just from the, the way that the sort of organization is is uh, is portrayed that they're not they're not the heroes in this piece. I mean, we're supposed to be disgusted with them, and, and that scene in particular, I don't think is is meant to appeal to sort of your prurient uh, desire to see people dissected because we're seeing things from a distance. We aren't seeing any blood and guts up close. We're just seeing stuff that again is it's it's too uh, distorted to really see what's going on so isn't, isn't again your brain fills that, in again yeah exactly your, the, your brain you realize sort of, that it's not just 
one room that this is this film is actually happening ten times over simultaneously exactly. in this place, and that's just so horrible to to imagine. Right, and it, it as you see more and more of these, it becomes more like you realize how casual this is to the the organization. You know, they've got ten torturings going on at a time, and it's it's uh, it, it really builds tension more than it does. Um, sort of disgust you because again you're not really seeing anything that's happening you're sort of filling in the blanks with your with your brain did you see the second one uh i have not seen the second one i understand it's uh more of the same well there i i've only seen three minutes of the second one but the three minutes that i saw are nothing like the description that you would give to the first one. really um, yeah, I mean, there was this, the scene that I happened to catch again flipping through the channels late one night uh, involved, uh, you know, a, a nude woman suspended over another nude woman sitting in a in a tub, who slashed the throat of this other woman and then bathed in this other in, in this other woman's blood. It was just it was just disgusting. It was, but 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 it was done. I mean. You you could it was quite clearly done to appeal to somebody's prurient interest. Mm. I mean, if, if you saw it, you you'd know what I mean. So I mean that. So when I when I would apply, you know the you know the, the pejoratives to to films like like Hostile and Hostile Two and, and some of the others, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Right. Well, and there is some of that in Hostile as well. I mean, the first one. But it, it's not really the focus, it, certainly not to the point where where it should be dismissed as as pure schlock just because of the fact that it has some of that in it. All right. I want to I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about a, a, a modern horror classic where uh, really some of our greatest fears and our greatest mythological uh, horror figures are uh, – catapulted to the forefront in a, in a film that really made all of America sit up and take notice. I, the duck. I, I refer, of course, to uh, Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. Oh, God. <laughs> I really have nothing to say here other than, <laughs> other than uh, you notice that they, all the horror movies um, that, are, that they have high hopes for come out in October and the ones that they don't come out in January. Uh, and I think it was March. Around St. Patrick's Day it, for Leprechaun. Was it Leprechaun? I'm not sure it was that that late. I think it might have been like January 10th or something. Uh, you know what? Dumped, I'm still bitter about Leprechaun. Leprechaun. I actually paid to see that piece of crap. Wow. What? Yeah. Well, you know what? We had uh, – sitting around our newspaper office in college, we had this uh, this comic book that was released by the, the production company that I presumed was based on kind of the, the, the tale that we would see unfolding in the film. And it, it was – Sort of entertaining, and it it had some kind of creepy stuff in it. And then I went and saw the film, and uh, discovered what it, what a horrible film it was. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, notwithstanding, who was smoking hot in that movie. Wow, I think uh, I think the implants were brand friends. new at that time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, the wrapper had barely been taken off. But yeah, I mean it's it's basically a, a pun filled <laughs> extravaganza of awful. It's like Troll Two. Uh, it's well. It's not quite on that level of bad. I mean, there's a coherent plot, and the, <laughs> the monster is in fact a leprechaun and and not a goblin, which I think was one of the complaints about Troll. Isn't Warwick Davis just running around that whole film saying "Where's me gold"? That was that was that was what was in the comic book, and and oh. we had hours of fun just walking around saying "Who stole me gold?" 
And then, as it turned out, I think he'd, he'd said it maybe once in the film. But he does <laughs> recite some great uh, Irish leprechaun poetry, as I, I think he's uh, jumping on a, a guy's chest with a pogo stick. <laughs> now, you see, I'm very glad I brought up leprechaun. And then now. there is a scene, I think, where he's driving down the road in this tiny go-kart. And I think he's going like 90 miles an hour. And it's, it's hilarious. It's got this sort of Three Stooges vibe to it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Are there shillelaghs? I don't recall if there are any shillelaghs. It seems like there must be. Are there um, limericks? Um, yeah, I believe his poetry is 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 in the limerick meter. Yes, uh, the, I think the uh, the the best use of the leprechaun myth, and I have no idea whether this is actually part of the leprechaun <laughs> myth or not, is uh, is it turns out that the leprechaun can be thwarted by distracting him with shoes. If he sees shoes, uh, if he if he runs across a shoe, he will have to stop and clean the shoe until it's shiny. And so, at one point, well, of course, the, the heroes discover this, and they basically stop him in his tracks by taking off their shoes and hurling them into a big pile. <laughs> that that is a fine film. Yeah, no, it's it has its moments. Is, it, is there Guinness? Gosh, I don't know, but that would Is have it improved just, it. Did, did you drink Guinness when before you went to see? I, I don't think this was the college days, so uh, Guinness was sort oh, of out of our range. I think it was the uh, the white can with the blue stripe that just said beer on it. Which <laughs> you know, so it's basically, it's every Irish uh, stereotype possible. Pretty much. Nice. And then I thought they actually ended up doing, I think, three or four sequels of that film. Of course, they did, including I think Leprechaun in the Hood, which is supposedly sort of good. I've heard. <laughs> What, is it just like a leprechaun wearing a hoodie? <laughs> no, it, it's I don't know. It's kind of a hip hop leprechaun. A, uh, yes, a, I, a yeah. brutal social commentary about inequality in our John Singleton sure. directed that one, right? <laughs> yeah. I heard that. Yeah, it's it's a, sort of heartbreaking at the end when the leprechaun doesn't get to go to college because he gets uh, shot in a drive by, and he had such such potential. They're always after me, bling. <laughs> and I think there was a leprechaun in space as well. <laughs> Of course there was. That's where they live, in in space Ireland. Ben, do you have any um, particular favorites that you'd like to recommend people put on their uh, on their Netflix queue or uh, you know see before Halloween? Well, my perennial favorite this time of year is always Return of the Living Dead. If for no other reason than I get to say over and over and over, get the bone, get the bone saw. Bone saw. Nice. You probably still have good mem memories of uh, Linnea Quigley as well. Yeah, boy, she didn't age well. No. Um, oh, wow. But uh, that, that's a it's a good it's a it's a it's it's actually uh, even as zombie movies goes, it, it doesn't hold up. But it's one uh, one of those movies again. I think I saw when I, I don't, when did it come out? Eighty seven. So I would have been sixteen. I don't know. I think that does uh, hold up extremely well. Uh, I saw it. You know, we we did. We, we did this Halloween podcast last year on Infinite Monkeys, and we talked about it, and I watched it again almost immediately after that, and I thought, yeah, there's some bits that are great. I yeah. mean, you know, the stuff, uh, stuff uh, uh, basically anything that doesn't involve the kids is great. Right. And anything that involves, you know, zombies, I, I, you know, I love all those scenes where, you know, you know, you know send more cops. Right, send, you know, send more paramedics. Send, send more paramedics, right. yeah, I love that. 
Um, there's some really, really funny stuff. And I love, you know, anytime you nuke Lexington, Kentucky, you can't really. <laughs> Absolutely. Me, but, but it's but, the thing that uh, saves Return of the Living Dead, I think, from, from falling completely out of favor is, is it went for a lighthearted tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was really it was clearly meant to be right. more of a comedy. So you than, can't really uh, I don't think you can dismiss it completely because it it wasn't really going for seriousness and and I think it works. No, no, it's not that. I think I think it's frankly I think it's the the hair. <laughs> well, it works well as a period piece though. Yeah, yeah. Some someday yeah. they'll they'll the historians will put that in a time capsule to explain who the vandals were. So that's that's my film for uh for Halloween. All right. It's 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 Good, ridiculous, goofy fun. Okay, Return of the Living Dead. Return, Return of the Living Dead. Dead. Yeah. Get the bone saw. <laughs> Get the bone saw. So, Steve, I can't believe you haven't seen Let the Right One In. You really should see that. I've That's seen the a, first th- ten minutes of it uh, via Netflix, and uh, then I had to do something else. All right. Now, because you were scared? Uh, yeah, I was uh, terrified by the, Chicken, the, the, the little girl, the, the freakishly androgynous uh, blonde boy who was the film's protagonist. Yes, and the, and the uh, Swedish. Uh, is there, did you get the dub version or the subtitle version? Uh, it, this would be the subtitled, and apparently right. the good subtitles. Yeah, um, yeah, but the, the 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 androgynous boy awakened some feelings in me. I wasn't mm-hmm. entirely comfortable ah, with. Fair enough, fair enough. It's a it's a good movie, and I, I like one of the things I like about it is, in many ways, it is the anti Twilight, in that it really does go over the. Um, that whole immortality premise and what that actually means for the people um, who are passing through the lives of a vampire while they just never age and stay the same age. And, you know, there's some, there's some really good stuff. The, the, the androgynous boy is, uh, is uh, bullied as you might expect. And, uh, and it turns out he's got a friend who's a uh, brutal killer. So um, always interesting, interesting things occur and it's all in, in the cold dark of a, uh, of a, a Scandinavian winter, so everybody's depressed and it's cold, wow. and miserable. It's good. Well, while we're on the it's subject good. of sort of uh, offbeat, uh, non-traditional vampire films, I should probably put in a, a recommendation for uh, a movie called Martin, which was uh, another early George Romero film. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, less of a vampire film than kind of a, a an examination of a very troubled youth. But there's, it's, uh, it follows a, a young lad named Martin in a very impoverished um, city somewhere. I forget whether it's, it's probably Pittsburgh because everything is Pittsburgh when it's Romero. And uh, it's never really entirely clear whether he's actually a vampire or not. Because the way he goes about uh, attacking his victims is he actually uses a razor blade and a syringe. Uh, and uh, it's 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 interesting largely because you're never entirely sure whether this is just a twisted sort of a murderous serial killer type or whether he's actually a vampire that has sort of moved on to more efficient techniques. And uh, he's he's living with his grandfather who is convinced that the kid's a vampire and he's always walking around the house with a, a cross sort of uh, following him around. It's an interesting film. Definitely worth checking out. A little slow by today's standards. I think uh, you know your average Saw viewer would probably not have the patience for it, but uh, definitely worth checking out. Very unconventional and very, I think, smart. Did you see The Descent? Have not seen it yet. All right. It's on I've my queue. things about that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Pan's Labyrinth um, for, sort, of feels, oh, sort, yeah. sort of feels like a horror movie to me, even though it's kind of not, but it kind of is. I, I, well, I like Pan's Labyrinth a lot, even though acquaintances of mine have problems with the 
politics of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was great, top to bottom. Even you know, notwithstanding the politics, even with the pol- I thought it was I thought it was terrific. I I, I I saw it in the theater and I bought the DVD the first day it came out. I, I it's it's a it is a magnificent fairy tale, is what it is. But it's but it's the you know it's the good kind. It's the dark and uh, exactly. and scary kind, which exactly. is why I meant the I real kind. Then, in other words, well, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. The non-sanitized kind. If you've not seen it, Steve, you must must. I have heard good things, but I don't get out much. Well, they have uh, um, these machines that allow you to play movies in your home now. Really? Yes. Wow. They're called uh, Super 8 projectors. Oh, they're those things where you you turn the crank and uh, and and moving pictures appear on your wall. Yes. Awesome. So check it out. I will check or that Netflix. Out. You could do Netflix too if you want to go that way. Oh, yeah. There's, there's Netflix. So um, uh, what else? Have, anything we haven't covered? Anything you think you should uh, get out there in the, to, to the great, massive, incomparable podcast listening audience before, uh, before Halloween night? I don't think so. I, 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 think, uh, I think we've covered all the good stuff. Um, you know, what the hell is the matter with these geeks? Uh, yep. right. Zomb- zombies potentially over uh, overexposed. Yep. Um, Though not uh, as much as vampires. Not as much as vampires, but but possibly. But we're looking forward to The Walking Dead. Yes. And uh, we should uh, we should watch uh, Alien again because that's a good sci-fi uh, horror kind of thing. And uh, get the bone saw. I think that and, pretty much. No, and, it up. and Steve, what was the the name of that werewolf movie again? Ginger Snaps. Ginger oh, yeah. snaps. So it's a little hard to find because it is again a Canadian film, and they try to bury those as soon as possible. Because uh, I think uh, that Canadians, I think uh, their films are subsidized by the government, right? Believe that, that, I'm sure they are. I think so. I think uh, a good percentage of that film was made on the dole. So, um, and I think they have to um, tape over the the videotapes they use to make them. Because they don't buy new ones, right. so they, they have to recycle them. They play them for a while, and then they, they right. take them. They, they're sent to Toronto. They're demagnetized, and then they're re, reused. Yeah, that's correct. That's, that, that's how Canadian uh, film works. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. Anyway, highly recommended. Probably of the uh, the newer films, I would recommend that amongst the batch of the ones that I've seen lately. Particularly for those of you who aren't uh, aren't big on gore, babies. Yeah, punk ass. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm glad that we uh, had this conversation. I felt like I felt like we worked through a lot of issues. <laughs> Dude, it is. It's th- podcasting as therapy. And I've got some things to put on my to my Netflix queue. And now I understand more why I'm a I'm a big baby who's afraid of uh, horror movies. Well, it's it's all about the understanding, really. Yeah. Well, that's how you start the learning and the growing is is with the understanding. Horror is our friend. Yes, must, it really is. I mean, the one thing we, we haven't talked about really is why people are uh, are too gutless to watch horror movies, or did we, did we didn't really cover or, that or, in any or why or why they want to watch them? I mean, right? I mean, the, their argument, uh, if I can uh, represent my uh, people who aren't on the podcast with us, is why would I want to see that stuff? I, you know, oh, it's icky. I don't want to. I don't want to see it. You could flip it around and say, why do you want to see it? Um, well, the same reason that people go to see tearjerkers. I mean, you, you go to see movies generally to elicit some kind of an emotional response. Right. Um, and they don't all have to be uplifting or, you know, boy, that guy is having trouble in his job. 
It could also be the simple kind of fight or flight of, oh, my God, I almost died or right. there's somebody trying to kill me. I, I think it's a lot harder for a filmmaker to successfully scare you than it is for them to make you sad. I mean, you know, they throw a dead kid at you and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're weeping. But to, to successfully scare a person, I think, takes a, a lot more ingenuity, a lot more technique. Right, but if the dead kid is a zombie and he's been thrown at you in a catapult, then then you got some horror. Well, the, then you got some awesome dead kids in catapults that are zombies. Are you kidding me? I don't think I've ever seen that. If that kid I was a, take, a ninja pirate, that's that. like the best thing ever. <laughs> a ninja pirate, dead kid, zombie in a catapult. In a catapult. So yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I admire the technique of the horror film, particularly you know the ones that are genuinely scary. Um, and the the reaction I get from a horror, I, you know, I enjoy a good tearjerker too. But uh, you know, I get a little more of a charge out of uh, a good scare. I think it it reaffirms why we're alive. <laughs> I, and in another way, better them than us. Exactly. I mean, it's good to be in in mortal fear every once in a while. And a good horror film will do that. It'll put you in the the shoes of the protagonist. So you know you you're you're feeling as though you're in in mortal terror, right? Everybody in the movie theater gets out alive, and an hour but, and a half um, later, you you feel pretty damn good because you survived. It's a rush. Yeah, it's an escape. That makes a lot of sense. All right, you've explained yourself. I don't know if I've explained uh, explained the other people. They just it's icky. They don't like it. I don't know. Well, the icky part I get. The, the the people that just they don't have a stomach for blood and gore. I I get that completely. I mean, you know, some people just can't take the side of that that i understand the ones who just who shy away from even the films that are relatively bloodless but but just scary that's scary that's yeah, weird scary. to me yeah scary is good i think yeah i, I mean i i'm not a big fan and, and as i am older and have kids you know the 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 blood and gore level that i can take has gone down well, now that you've but, had kids but, you've seen a lot worse things <laughs> yeah that's true i've seen horrors um Horror. I believe horror has a face. Horror and moral terror. Moral are. terror. So we could probably do a whole podcast on just the the variance in child's diaper output over the course of their first year. You know, that's I, horrible. You you don't need to yeah, leave. That's you know, not horror. That's just horrible. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Children's diapers and and uh, honestly, the miracle of birth itself. Ah, oh, yeah. Now we got some horror. Wow, which involves a lot more of the diaper material than I was led to understand. Yes. Anyhow. Yes. The, yes. The. Uh, I know what you're talking about yeah. there. I'm, I'm now. I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> this got really wrong really fast. <laughs> and on that note, I want to thank everybody who's still listening to this podcast. Uh, but it's over now. I'd like to thank Steve Lutz. Thank you. You got it, man. And Ben Boychuk from his lair. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to hide under the bed now. All right, wise decision, as always. I'm Jason Snell for the Incomparable Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. This has been the Incomparable Podcast. Visit us at theincomparable.com. <laughs>